Hello football fans and welcome to the first ever edition aired on the internet of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We have many football stories to get to today. Just wanted to thank you for tuning in to our first ever episode that will be on the internet. We had a pilot show recorded last week for more of a practice run. It didn't go all too well, lots of technical difficulties and such. But we're hoping that that episode becomes... Just a, a, a laughing joke in a few weeks as this show gets underway here as Football Nation presents, once again, Monday Morning Huddle. We'll get to our first story of the day. Our leading story is the, once again, we're going into the CBA as more controversy has come from the new agreement between the players and the owners um, with the union, of course, involved. Um, today I want to talk about the the practicing and how it, that affects the coaches and the decisions that they have to make through the season. We saw last week Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll get um, a two-day penalty for having contact at his practice, and there was not much contact at that practice. You can read the story on ESPN.com where I got... Um, this information. Not much contact was given at practice, but yet the, the NFL um, reviewed the practice tape and then handed down a two-day penalty where the, the team could not practice for two days. We, we want to um, present questions to our listeners, and this is the first question I want to ask of the day. Is the NFL getting too soft? As we've seen a heavy emphasis on player safety, which is obviously a need, but we've seen a lot of penalties and fines given out to people that, you know, are not deserving, um, in in my opinion. Um, Lots of guys have been fined where they probably shouldn't be. Um, They just have big hits, which the NFL should see. But they're getting these fines, and now we're seeing penalties being handed out for contact in practice. Back in the day, maybe 40 years ago now, in the 70s, contact was was encouraged in practice. Of course, practice was contact. Practice was full game speed. And then they slowly you know, said, don't hit the quarterback. Don't hit wide receivers all over the middle. Don't do this. Now they don't do any hitting. And it's just how do you get ready? How do you get ready for a football season when you don't hit and tackle in practice? Tackling has gotten worse in the NFL. Maybe if they had tackling practice in practice, they wouldn't have to lead with their head. Maybe somebody would learn how to wrap up, and then we wouldn't see James Harrison lead with his head, or uh, you know another cornerback or somebody lead with his head when he has practiced getting his arms wrapped around someone. There, there are lots of other issues with the wrap tackle. I know players are bigger now, and you can't wrap up a Maurice Jones-Drew type running back. But it's just a, something to think about. 
no tackling practice. No wonder that there's no tackling now, the way that we used to see it in the NFL. But I wanted to go into um, the the rules of the new CBA with practicing. Uh, teams are allowed one padded practice per week during the regular season, and those padded practices have to be limited to three hours. And this last little rule is the one that will get me going the most uh, today. During the bye week, teams have to have a consecutive five days off. Not only do they not practice, they cannot go to the facility and contact any coach on the staff. No nothing. No practice, no game film, nothing for five days. That's ridiculous. Not only does a coach need to get practice in for his team or work in for his quarterback or young quarterback or whatever it is, these guys get paid millions of dollars to be professional athletes. And just randomly during the season, they have five days off like it's a vacation? A bye week is supposed to be the point in the season where you get a lot of work in. Of course, you rest a lot, but you get a lot of videotape in. You're going to prepare extra for your next opponent. You have two weeks to prepare, which used to be a huge advantage. Now, player uh, teams last year came off the bye week rusty. They came off, it had the opposite effect. Lots of teams came off the bye week and lost. Uh, I, I wish we would have uh, looked up that stat, what, what the records of teams coming off bye weeks last year were. It, it was significantly down, I know. I don't have exact figures. But that should never happen. Teams coming off the bye week should be better off than the team that they're playing that's not coming off the bye week. It just doesn't make sense. I would love to hear the listener's opinion. You can get a hold of me on Twitter, of course. My Twitter handle, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Or you can email me at my Gmail account. It's brand new. I haven't gotten any emails yet. So I'd love to read some emails. D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-0-6 at gmail.com. I just think that the bye week thing is atrocious, really. I, I These new rules for the players, you know, to protect the players um, is ridiculous. These are professional athletes getting paid millions of dollars. Sometimes they need to be chewed out by their coaches because they don't do well. In a, in a profession that you see a coach, coaches come and go in three years, don't you think... If they're they've got a young team, you know a team like Jacksonville last year, um, with Jack Del Rio having Blaine Gabbert. Don't you think Blaine Gabbert could use those extra five days of practice, at least looking at film with offensive coordinator or you know head coach Jack Del Rio. You know you you could see that with a bunch of teams, but improvement is not made because of the five days off and. You, you could see a coach fired because of it. It just it protects the players, but we forget about the coaches. The coaches here in this CBA new agreement, or you know now there's a little disagreement again. The coaches are right in the middle, and they get it from both sides, and it's really not fair for them. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our second leading story of the day.
Welcome back to Football Nation's newest podcast, Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to move on to something more football-oriented football than the CBA that we talk about now every week. Um, Rob Gronkowski, the tight end from the New England Patriots, signed a huge deal with the Boston uh, franchise, you could say, right out of Boston and Foxborough. Uh, there was a, it was a six-year extension worth $54 million, an extension that will keep Gronkowski in a Patriot uniform till 2019. Um, the Patriots, with Bill Belichick, made history with their two top tight ends, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, um, drafting them early on in the 2010 draft, now two years under their belt with both of them. Bill Belichick, once again, is redefining the NFL, re, revamping um, the NFL with his, with his play schemes. Uh, Belichick, of course, a, a defensive-minded guy more of, but Belichick has always found the weaknesses in the NFL's rules or, or, or defenses and, and offenses to get his team an advantage and he did it with the two huge tight ends, uh, Aaron Hernandez from Florida, Rob Gronkowski from Arizona. I'm looking at Gronkowski's stats from last season, they're record-breaking. Uh, 1,327 yards receiving with 17 touchdowns. For a tight end, 17 touchdowns. And 90 catches, of course, which puts him... Close to 2,000 yards receiving in his first two seasons, 150 catches nearly, and double-digit touchdowns both seasons puts him at 27 touchdowns in two full years of the NFL. And rightfully so, Gronkowski gets this huge extension, setting another record for tight ends with a contract um, and money guaranteed. And Gronkowski, of course, we saw the big impact he had in not playing in Super Bowl 46 against the New York Giants. Um, well, he played, but um, was was affected by his ankle, I should say. He, he did play. But his ankle is healing well. Um, he reported earlier this month in June. There's no reason that we won't see Gronkowski become perhaps the greatest tight end of all time. It's early. It's still early in his career, just two seasons. He's only 23 years old. But he, he's well on his way to become a top 10 tight end. Uh, he has Tom Brady as his quarterback, at least for a few more seasons. And as long as Bill Belichick is running the Patriots, the Patriots are going to be a contender with Tom Brady. The, there's no reason he won't continue to set these ridiculous numbers. On another side for the New England Patriots, we're going to move to the negative uh, Anthony King wrote a pretty good article um, on FootballNation.com about Chad Ochocinco's release by the Patriots, uh, the, the wide receiver. There's the rumors this week. I actually think the rumors came from FootballNation.com, if I'm not mistaken, about uh, Ochocinco's um, football IQ wasn't high enough for the New England team, and really as no surprise. You know, the Patriots bringing in a lot of veteran receivers 
Chad Ochocinco just didn't belong in there. He didn't he didn't do well last year, of course. There was a lot of hype about him going to New England after the lockout, and he severely underachieved with them. Even with, with uh, New England going to the Super Bowl, uh, Ochocinco just did not play well. Even he, he, he picked it up a little in the playoffs, but not enough to justify keeping him on the team. And, and Chad, of course, delivered a tweet uh, on uh, last week um, to the effect of thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to play for the Patriot organization. And he went on to say that he wishes them the best and said the fans were wicked awesome, I'm sure, in his Boston accent. But our second question of the day I want to ask our listeners, is Ojo Cinco's career over? Uh, he has 766 career receptions, 11,000 receiving yards, and 67 touchdowns. Is his career over? I think that's a legitimate question. It used to be a top five receiver in the league with Cincinnati. I think it was 2006. I'm working from memory here, so if that's incorrect, let me know. I believe it was the opening game for the 2006 season when uh, Cincinnati was taking on Baltimore on Monday Night Football where Ocho Cinco caught a touchdown pass and went to the sidelines and broke out his gold jacket for for the Hall of Fame. And if his career ended today, there's just too many wide receivers trying to get in the Hall of Fame today for, for Ocho Cinco to belong in there, in my opinion. Um, lots of players such as Chris Carter, um, Heinz Ward now who's retired. Um, there's, there's a few others, I'd say. Whose, whose numbers are better. There's a waiting list for for wide receivers that Ojo Cinco would be towards the bottom of. But is it is it also good for the NFL that Ocho Cinco's done? I think the NFL could could do with less drama. It, it would be nice to not hear about Ocho Cinco every day um, and his antics, changing his name and such. Really, the the run out test you could say of the NFL, perhaps uh, at least the name change similarity there. So let me know what you think about Ocho Cinco's story or Rob Gronkowski's contract extension. My Twitter handle, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Or you can email me at my Gmail account, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. We're going to take a break, but then we're going to come back with our fourth and long segment. To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Welcome back to Football Nation's first podcast of Monday Morning Huddle with your host, Dave Holcomb. Just want to remind you that this show will be airing every Monday morning um, regularly. This show, this episode appeared on a Tuesday. Um, you don't have to listen to the day that it comes out, but a new episode will come out every Monday morning, uh, of fitting, of course, with our name. I also wanted to remind you of another podcast on footballnation.com with Alex Reamer's Football Nation Today podcast that comes out every Wednesday. Um, he covers more of the CBA controversy, of course. He 
also talks a lot about the Jets. A lot of controversy with them as of late, of course, with Darrell Rivas' contract um, negotiations or lack of negotiations. Mark Sanchez, Tim Tebow, Santonio Holmes. Uh, it's a lot going on there. And, of course, tune into that podcast every Wednesday. Now, we're going to go to our fourth and long segment <clears throat> on the show. Uh, let me explain how this works as this is our first episode. Every week we're going to take some uh, some uh, not leading stories of the week and put them into this fourth and long segment. And if I decide to grunt, um, I'm going for the story. I, I, I go, I'm going for what that team or whatever that situation is going for. And if, if I'm punting, then I, I disagree with what was stated in that story. Um, lots of the stories... Um, that we're going to have in this segment are going to be other stories on our website, footballnation.com. If that was confusing, you, you'll get it as we go. Uh, here, our first story for our for, fourth and long seg- segment, the Buffalo Bills making the playoffs. Joshua Bauer, um, a contributor at Football Nation, is a Buffalo native and has written a, a few Articles, I believe a three-part story um, about how the Buffalo Bills will make the playoffs next year. I'm going to grunt. I'm going for it. I think it's time for the Bills to step up and make some noise there in the AFC. The AFC, lots of people have been saying that it's wide open. I I think there are still some premier teams in the AFC with Houston being my number one team, actually. I think Pittsburgh and New England follow in, in that tier, that top tier. Uh, Baltimore is still going to be up there, of course, and who knows what's going to happen out in the West. But Buffalo Bills could make some noise and perhaps be a wild card. Or if New England falters, um, I think New England at some point is going to falter. They they can't continue to do what they've done. It's New England's been on an impressive an, an impressive run. They really have. It seems like every year we predict them to to fall. A little, especially in 2010 when they finished, I think it was 10 and 6, and lost a home playoff game. You felt like their time was done, and slowly the Jets or somebody else would take over that division. Not only has that not happened, New England has been the number one seed in the conference the last two years. So New England doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon, but sooner or later, I think the Bills or the Jets are going to come up and either make a wild card or, or, or press New England for that division. And I think it's the Bills' turn. The Jets have done it the last few years, um, but it's the Bills that have really been doing well in the front office. And they, they I think they have that quarterback situation now under control. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fred Jackson is a good running back. They need to stay healthy. They weren't healthy last year. Jackson was uh, knocked out with a season-ending injury in November. They lost lot, uh, a few offensive linemen, and they got onto a losing streak there around Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, and th- and that was it. That was the end of their season, They and they didn't have a good finish. But they've had great starts the last few years, and I think if they can stay healthy, they can transform last year's team into a 9 and 7 10 and 6 maybe even 11 and 5 and get 
a wild card berth at least challenge for wild card berth probably among you know who knows what will happen at the top of the AFC North but whoever doesn't win the the AFC North we would assume Baltimore Pittsburgh get a wild card Cincinnati could get a wild card San Diego Denver maybe a wild card but I think Buffalo could be thrown in there definitely with those teams Moving on to another story that was on footballnation.com. Uh, cold weather cities deserve to host the Super Bowl. Um, this is written by Timothy, Timothy Krause. Um, I'm grunting here as well. I, I like this. I never understood why weather affects every other game in our NFL season but not the Super Bowl. Uh, the, the argument that you want to see the best team win. Well, you know, weather can change any other game of the year and affect the best team and hurt them. Um, but it can't in the Super Bowl. It just doesn't really make sense. It seems kind of uh, random or, or it, it, just, it just lacks consistency with the rest of the season that the, that the Super Bowl is not played in cold weather ever. Uh, I understand that it's kind of hard for that top seed to host the Super Bowl, um, especially to go from that now. They make so much money from the Super Bowl, and it's really, you know, teams or, or cities, I should say, want to host the Super Bowl because they bring in so much money for the for the area with the restaurants and everything that bring in all the people for the two weeks now that the Super Bowl is hosted in that city. Um, the, of course, the, you bring in money for the stadium and the city and the area. You could argue that they're not going to go from, you know, if New England has the best record as of last, for instance, like last year, they're not going to let New England host the Super Bowl against the Giants and have New England have a home game because there's just too much money that the NFL could make or other cities could make off of the Super Bowl. But that being said, I, cold weather cities should have the same opportunities really for hosting the Super Bowl as a Miami, a Jacksonville, a Los Angeles do. Uh, and in in this article, Kraus goes to, on to list a few cities that would be great for the Super Bowl. And he lists Chicago, Green Bay, uh, Pittsburgh and Foxborough, of course, being New England, also lists Kansas City, um, which I think all of them would would be great spots for the Super Bowl. I think it'd be interesting to see the Super Bowl in a place like Green Bay or Pittsburgh because those fans are so passionate about their own teams. If those teams weren't in it, do you think they would still be into the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure they would. Of course, it's the Super Bowl. It's the biggest game of the year. But those, it's just it's just an interesting note that those teams do have such a high, those cities have such a high expectation for their teams. If they're not there, <laughs> sometimes the Super Bowl, um, you know, is just a letdown that, they're, that the Packers or, or the Steelers aren't there. But still... I liked the list. I liked the article. You should check it out. I definitely agree. Cold weather cities should have the chance to host the Super Bowl. My last story, I'm going to definitely punt far, far away 
This is from Mike Luca, a contributor at Football Nation. The Minnesota Vikings, and he lists the top ten reasons why they should move to Los Angeles. And I just am tired of hearing the argument, Los Angeles deserves a team. No, they do not. L.A. does not deserve a football team. You heard it from here. They do not deserve a team. If they deserved a team, they would have held on to the two teams that they already had. If L.A. was such a great football place, if it was such a great football city, then why did the Rams and Raiders move away? Obviously, there are lots of reasons. It's probably a money issue. It always comes down to money. But Minnesota... It was an expansion team, you know, in the '60s, but it's been a great football place. It's it's a cold area football team. Football belongs in cold places. It's just been a great football location in Minnesota. The Vikings, the the, the Norwegian theme fits in Minnesota. They have a great rivalry with Green Bay, with. Chicago, and of course now Detroit being good. It's, that's a great division, the NFC North. They, they just got a new stadium. They could, I don't know if they're going to build. I think they're going to build a new dome. I, I, um, I'm not 100% sure on that. But I, I believe they're going to build a new dome so they can host the Super Bowl because right now cold cities can't host the Super Bowl um, outside anyway. This, this is just ludicrous that we always hear about L.A. and how they deserve uh, a football team, and some of his reasons that he lists, the, you know, in the top ten, <clears throat> I I disagree with highly. With number two, of course, being L.A. deserves an NFL team. L.A. I'll let you check out the article and, and check out the top ten reasons, and and let you decide. Um, th- this article has spurred much debate, as it's already gotten five comments on it. Um, and I encourage you to check it out. I I just want to say one thing. L.A. is an entertainment city. It is Hollywood first, and they love their Dodgers, and they love their Lakers because it's entertainment. The NBA is about stars, and when you go to watch the Lakers, you see Kobe, and you see all the other big players, and you see Jack Nicholson right there next to... Well, it was Phil Jackson, now Mike Brown. It's an entertainment. It's a form of entertainment. And the Dodgers, even though baseball, you know, a lot of people would argue is not entertaining because people think it's boring. The Dodgers are also that form of entertainment. You see lots of movie stars go to Dodger games. You don't see the same thing with the Los Angeles Kings, even though they're in the Stanley Cup. You don't see that with the Clippers. You might start to see it as they get better. But this this city is about entertainment, it's about Hollywood, it's about drama. And I don't believe the NFL belongs in a city that's like that. The NFL belongs in cities like Buffalo, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Green Bay is such a small city that it doesn't appear on some maps. It doesn't appear on some maps of Wisconsin, where you can buy a map of the U.S. and Green Bay is not on it. But Green Bay has never talked about moving away because Green Bay is such a great football place. And I'm not trying to compare Minnesota to Green Bay. Green Bay is in the top five fan bases in the league. But the NFL is different than all the other sports, probably because of the the collective bargaining agreement and, and shared 
um, share TV revenue. And there, we can get into lots of reasons why the NFL is different than the other three sports, you other three U.S. sports. But, you know, you see a team like, for instance, Pittsburgh, the Steelers are much more competitive in a small market than the, than the Pirates are. So the NFL, I believe, belongs in those smaller Midwest-type cities, such as Minneapolis. And when you hear about, from people, sorry, I'm going to call you out here, Mike. If you, when you hear from guys like Mike Luca, who are from Los Angeles, or guys from the New York area that say, I don't understand why there's a team in Buffalo. It just it just irks me that I'm I'm from a Midwest place. And to put you you, you know, to say one of his reasons he lists is LA is better than Minnesota. Just to, to say things like that is arrogant and I, I think you you have you probably have a much different opinion of me of what football is about. Football is about America, mid-America, and enjoying watching the games where I think many people in L.A., when they go to Dodger and Laker games, probably don't watch the game because the celebrities are too busy on their cell phones. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up this first episode of Monday Morning Huddle. Welcome back to Monday Morning Huddle, our first ever episode that's going to appear on our website, footballnation.com. I wanted to thank everybody who influenced this show and got it starting. Got it started. I have That's really all we have for today. I wanted to end with a more fluff story that our, uh, our uh, website, footballnation.com, has posted from Brendan Doerr, his first ever article. Um, getting several views and comments. The NFL's top 10 throwback jerseys. Although I don't agree with some of the, you know, 7 through 10, I think you could debate. But 6 through 1, or 1 through 6, are stellar with some great uh, uniforms listed. And quite honestly, the, <laughs> the league or those teams should go back to those uniforms. That's all I have for today. I'm Dave Holcomb. You can reach me at my Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B, and my Gmail account, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. Don't forget, our next episode will be next Monday. And also, another podcast you should check out on footballnation.com, Football Nation Today. And that host is Alex Raymond. I'm Dave Holcomb. Hope to see you next week. 